Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. I just recently heard the story of an incredible man by the name of Emilian Kovich. He's blessed, blessed Emilian Kovich. And he was a Ukrainian Catholic priest who was sent to a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. And his family knew that he went to this concentration camp, and so they were desperately trying to work on his release. They were trying to get him out of this horrible place of torture and death. And yet, Emilian wrote a letter back to his family in response to all of their efforts to save him. And these are his incredible words. I understand that you are trying to free me, but I am asking you not to do anything. I thank God for his kindness to me. Except for heaven, this is the only place I would like to be. I am the only priest here. I couldn't even imagine what would happen here without me. Here, I see God. Now, how intense and insane are those words? I understand you're trying to free me. I understand that you are trying to save my life, but I'm asking you not to. Can you even imagine this spirit of heroic sacrifice and willingness to lose one's life reminds me of another great saint of our Catholic tradition, Saint Ignatius of Antioch, a bishop and martyr who in the early 100s AD went off to his death in the Roman Colosseum. His people, the flock of the city of Antioch, tried to intervene on his behalf. They tried to save him from public torture, humiliation, and death. But he, too, wrote back to them, begging them not to interfere. Things are off to a good start, he writes. Can you believe that? Things are going well. Remember, St. Ignatius, at this point, was on his way to his death. He's about to be eaten alive by hungry lions and tigers in front of a thousand spectators who just want to see him publicly humiliated. But things are apparently off to a good start, he says. And then we get to the heart of what his letter is all about. May I have the good fortune, the good fortune, to meet my fate without interference. Grant me no more than to be a sacrifice for God while there is an altar at hand. Now what he's saying there is stunning, and it's just as stunning as what Blessed Emilian Kovic said a couple hundred years, thousand years later in a Nazi concentration camp. He is saying to his people way back then, people who loved him, who wanted to preserve him, who wanted to keep him from dying at the hands of pagan persecution, don't save me. Allow me to offer myself as a sacrifice. Let me die. 
I plead with you, St. Ignatius continues, let me be food for the wild beasts. That is how I can get to God. Both Blessed Emilian and St. Ignatius put their faith into action in an astonishing way. Their faith was certainly not dead, as St. James warns us against in our second reading this weekend. They and all of the saints were more than willing to put their faith to hard and demanding work, regardless of the cost to themselves, regardless of the cost to the people who would rather them not suffer and not die. That first reading we heard from the prophet Isaiah, one of the so-called suffering servant passages, expresses this beautiful willingness to die and to suffer perfectly. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard, my face I did not shield from buff buffets and spitting. But the Lord God is my help. Therefore, I am not disgraced. That is the strange and the bewildering intensity of all of the saints. An intensity that cries out, God is real. And we are dead serious about following him. And we are willing to lose everything for him and for the good of others. So please, don't try to stop us. Don't try to spare us. We want to lose our lives for God. And that is precisely what Jesus is doing when he rebukes Peter in our gospel today, when he literally calls him to his face, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Like Blessed Emilian and St. Ignatius of Antioch, Christ is saying to his closest friends, do not interfere. Do not try to free me from my cross. You think you're helping. You think that you're being kind and merciful, but you are only getting in the way of God's will. Instead, let me die. Let me lose myself. Trust me. It will be for your own good if you do not try to save me. Peter somehow thought that he, that he needed to save Jesus. Peter thought that his job was to help Jesus avoid inconvenience, difficulty, trial, and persecution. He thought he needed to free Jesus from sacrifice. A great G.K. Chesterton line comes to mind here. Do not free a camel from the burden of his hump. You may be freeing him from being a camel. In other words, don't bother trying to free Christ from the burden of his cross. The cross is his mission. It's the entire reason that he came to dwell among us in the first place. The Son of Man must suffer greatly, he says. So Peter's job was not to save Jesus. It was the other way around. It was Christ's job to save the entire world. But it would cost him everything. 
it would have, he would have to first lose everything he had if anybody's soul was going to be saved. And nobody was going to get in his way. And I think, deep down, we all get this. We all get this. Something mysterious stirs within us when we hear that call to sacrifice. Something roars up in our hearts when we hear something like what Frodo Baggins said in The Lord of the Rings. It must often be so, Sam, when things are in danger. Someone has to give them up, lose them, so that others may keep them. We understand the essential goodness of self-sacrifice, even if we don't always talk about it, even if we ourselves shy away from actually doing it, even if we don't always seem to encourage our children or our young people to actually step up and make sacrifices. We seem so intent on making our kids' lives as easy and painless, as sacrifice-free as possible, don't we? But at the end of the day, I think we still get it. We all can see the beauty of sacrifice. We think of maybe the firefighters who ran into the burning World Trade Centers on 9-11, 20 years ago now. Nobody on that day tried to hinder them. Nobody tried stopping them even though they were running towards those buildings that everybody else was running away from. But we allowed them to go in there. We allowed them to freely lay down their lives. Why? Because we all knew that they were trying to save people. And that is what Jesus is always doing. Jesus is always trying to save people. Even if Peter did not completely understand that at first, Jesus was actually running directly into the burning building of our broken and sinful souls. Christ lost everything so that we might win. And that is the beating heart of the mystery of the cross. That is how we all get saved. And so now our task is to imitate him. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. If that is true, then why are we so protective of ourselves? Why do we so closely guard our time, our energy, our money, our projects, our preferences, our precious entertainment? Why are we so afraid of dying? Afraid of self-sacrifice? Afraid of what politicians and pandemics might do to us? Forget yourself and love God instead. You can do this. You don't have to be thrown into a concentration camp or suffer open persecution to be heroic. You do not need to pull off some huge and dramatic accomplishment in order to offer sacrifice to God. You just need to let Jesus 
die in you and let Jesus die for you in all of your daily responsibilities, your everyday sufferings, your little acts of patience, forgiveness, and love, and the peace and the joy of the gospel, if you choose to do that, will flood your soul and give you courage in the midst of every single difficulty. So let go of that death grip that you have on your life. It's a waste of time. Jesus is trying to save you. Why would you ever try to stop him?